Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. And this week, I'm, I'm stoked. It's like this crossover of content and SEO, integrated marketing. What the heck is that? What do you do when content is your product? I am being joined by Michaela Mendez. She is the Senior Director of Integrated Marketing at General Assembly, been doing it for 12 years. She does content and SEO roles, loves helping companies kind of define and execute on their content strategies that ultimately impact the bottom line. Thank you so much for joining me, Michaela. Thank you, Garrett. Really excited to be here. Uh, we, we're both geeks about this stuff, but you are, you're actually, you're a music geek as well. Is it true you play like four instruments? I do. That's, that is me. Um, at, at my heart, I wish I could just go play piano guitar all day but uh sadly uh doesn't make me the same amount of money as it does working in content marketing so here i am <laughs> well i mean we th these days you can become a content creator but what are what are the other two it's the didgeridoo right no what, what are the other two <laughs> instruments you play um yeah i also play bass and drums so i dabble dude that's badass when's your album what's what's your first album going to be called oh man that's a good one I don't know. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> okay, you're gonna get back to me. We'll, we'll stay on the Twitter. That's, that's like my ongoing joke with my wife and I. We'll walk around the out, like the the house, and someone will say like some clever turn of phrase, and I'll be like, "Well, that's my next album. That's what my next album." Nice, nice. Album, so. Well, you can name it for me then. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll work on. I'll start analyzing your tweets and all that jazz. <laughs> how? So I'm just curious. How did you get into content and SEO in the first place? Well, music is a good segue because. I was a music teacher. I taught private lessons um, in high school and in college. And it's how I paid my rent. It was the thing that I did. I had probably 20 to 30 students a week. Um, and I had moved. I transferred schools and I moved to Delaware from Massachusetts. And I was like, how am I going to get more students? So I built a website. And I started to try to market myself in the local area and um, it started working, right? And I was like, wow, this is interesting. So I would on the side, fiddle around with the website, try to see if I could get it to rank. Um, that website is since long gone, but I was trying <laughs> to rank for, you know, music lessons, Delaware, right? So it was interesting. And I'm like, wow, this, this is kind of fun. I, I like it. Um, at the same time, I was going to school. I got an English degree. Um, I changed my major like five times, had no clue really what I, what I wanted to do. Um, but started freelance writing um, uh, back in the day, Upwork, it was called Elance at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was one of my first uh, jobs I was, I was doing it while I was still in, in school. It was just writing content for what what I now know was a content farm, probably making like <laughs> one or two cents a word, writing like makeup reviews. But you know, back in 2010, you you could do that, right? It was it was commonly commonly done. So um, that was how I first realized, like, wow, like this is interesting. I'm I'm writing content, trying to get other people's websites to rank. Um, this is fun. I, I like this, and you know, I'm kind of using my degree in a way, right? Uh, so it was eye opening to me. Um, from there, I started to get clients. So I worked as a freelancer. Um, a contractor for different SEO and marketing agencies. There I learned even more about SEO and content marketing. Um, a few years later, I went in-house at um, a health tech startup as a content marketing manager. 
Um, it was great startups, man, you learn, you learn so much <laughs> about, um, all types of marketing, right. Cause you're with it, with a small team, you're, you know, doing a lot. So I learned a lot there. Um, I moved on, I was a content director at an HR, um, tech startup, and now I'm here at general assembly, uh, leading the integrated marketing team. That's that's so interesting. I mean, you basically have written content for everyone and everything out there to kind of like hone that craft. What I'm curious about, and to your point, it's like content evolved. What worked in 2010 is different than what's working today. And I'm sure there are a lot of like mom and pops out there that would appreciate your skill set just from you know, ever since COVID, where you know people weren't going to businesses and everything was virtual. It's like, you know, you need to have a digital presence. But now you you recently started doing integrated marketing. Can you define what that is? Is that one of those things where it's like lifecycle marketing or demand gen marketing where everyone has a different definition or or do you feel like this is integrated marketing? What is it? Yeah, so to me, I guess the short answer to that is one story, many channels. That's mm. integrated marketing to me. Um I think integrated marketing it's a constant balance between finding the right audience, meeting them where they're at, and then establishing a really strong brand position and voice, and then tying a string from your position to that that person, that individual or that audience group. Um, and no great marketing happens in a vacuum or on just one channel, right? You need many channels these days to in order to make sure that that message comes through strong to the right audience at the right time. Um, so I see integrated marketing more as a continuous practice. Um, there's really, to me, there's like four steps to it. It's customer first. So finding that best fit customer. Um, second is channel, right? So where is that customer? Um, then it's concept. What are we saying? And then it's communication. So how are we saying it? And how are we positioning our our brand or our product um, in the mind of that customer. And so along the way, um, I think, you know, there's different things that that you can do that are specific to every single channel, but starting first with that customer um, defines the rest of the steps along the way. Each step kind of feeds uh, into, into the next. It's it's really fascinating. And and in some ways you're almost like the, you know, the you're running an orchestra, right? Like where you have all these different part, these different channels, which are have to kind of work in concert. And there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. To what extent is your role planning versus execution at this point? Like, how are you kind of aligning all the different channels and all the different people at your org who are ultimately putting the message out there for these different target audiences? Yeah, it's it's a lot of both. So the way my team is structured is really there's three core pillars. So one of them is content and SEO. Um, and SEO is a super important channel for us. The next is social and community. Um, and then the third pillar is conversion, right? So how are we capturing high intent leads and then nurturing them through that funnel on both B2B and B2C side? 
Um, and then it's about how do we take that playbook and apply it to specific markets? Because whenever you're working in a global company, there's you know always the element of like what works here, it may, might not work over there. Um, but having that strong um, foundation in each of those pillars helps to kind of build that uh, that playbook for every single market. Um, and I would say, I would say it's a lot. Planning is important. It's probably the most important thing. Um, what we try to do is say, okay, this quarter or this uh, half of the year, here's the high level message that we want to bring to market. Um, here is where we're seeing, um, you know, some interest. Like here are the wins from the last quarter, um, and here's how we want to build on that in the future, right? And then you break that down into each of those pillars and then you figure out like what's working on social, like what are, you know, what are the best performing uh, messages that we're putting out there? Is it the same as on content and SEO? And then is that translating through to conversion? Um, and how are we, if, if not, like what can we do differently um, the next time? And it's definitely probably one of the hardest things to coordinate that, especially across an organization when things are always changing. Um, mm. You know, I think if the pandemic <laughs> taught us anything, right, it's like, you know, you just, you really do have to be ready and you have to um, know what is staying, what will always stay in, in terms of your brand positioning. And then like, what do you need to be flexible on and what, what do you have to kind of um, expect to change or, or pivot, you know, and, and as things move in the market. It's, it's so fascinating. And to your point, it's like with the pandemic user behavior has obviously changed dramatically, which changes how you approach everything in all these different channels to what extent does your role touch SEO? Like are the other channels informing your SEO strategy and in terms of what's working or is SEO the driver or is it really like holistic and, and you're just kind of hoping the messaging works across channels? Yeah. So again, I think coming back to that, that framework of, you know, customer first channel mm -hmm. second, um, the channel really dictates the third step, which is the concept and what you're, what you're talking about. Right. Because I'll give you an example. Um, we've recently launched on TikTok, right? Which has been, that's been an you exciting <laughs> journey. We did it. Um, and we're doing good. We're seeing traction there. Cool. But but what um, what we talk about on the blog, uh, might the concept might be the same as what we talk mm -hmm. about on TikTok, but we approach it completely differently. So an example is we recently had a blog take off and it's all about nurses who maybe want to transition and have a tech career, right? So we, you know, looked at the SEO keyword data. It was like, yeah, there's demand for this. We created the content. It's ranking. You know, it's bringing in people. They're signing up for our email newsletter, right? That's awesome. Um, however, it's a very intensive, long blog, right? It's 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 lengthy. Uh, it goes in depth. That same thing is not going to work on TikTok. <laughs> I know that. However, the concept is right. So. Uh, three tips for nurses who are ready to change their career. That can be a quick hit TikTok video, right? That's the same concept, but a totally different packaging. Um, and I do think that um, once you see that one concept is taking off on one specific channel, um, we're, we're calling it our zero waste content uh, planning. So 
you know, let's not waste that, right? Like, let's take that and let's like use those learnings and and use that same concept and bring it to another channel, but keep the customer and that channel and what you know about that in mind when you bring that concept to the channel, um, because it, it really does change. Like the way that people want to consume information is vastly different across every channel. It doesn't mean you have to do a completely different topic, but you just, you need to come at it from a different direction. That, and that kind of speaks, I was going to ask about how, you know, you approach building your content strategies between, you know, these social channels versus SEO um, and content in general. To what extent with that kind of zero waste perspective, are you literally maybe not reusing the exact same content because it's channel specific, but like, do you find yourself using more video in your kind of SEO driven content strategy because that's the direction that Google's going and then trying to leverage what you're doing for TikTok? Like, how are you trying to maximize resources across the different strategies? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. I think it's, you know, what can stay the same and then what needs to change. Right. Um, Sometimes, you know, creating something completely net new is actually takes less time than trying Mm -hmm. to say, oh, let's, you know, just completely repurpose this for another channel. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is it always comes back to like, what is the core idea that you're trying to bring to that channel? And what do you want people to do next? Right. It's not just about giving them information. It's about inspiring them to action or to further research. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, you know, repurposing across each channel and making each channel, um, you know, better because of what you learn on other channels is important. The one thing I will say about, you know, when we talk about content strategy in general versus just SEO strategy, um, to me, content strategy is a direct reflection of the business strategy, right? Mm. So how do we make money as a business? Um, who buys it, right? Whose money is it? (laughs) Is it like this B2B buying team or is it one consumer, right? That vastly changes your content strategy, right? Because it's all about that audience and that, and that customer. Um, From an SEO perspective, you know, content strategy, you're honing in on that audience. From an SEO strategy perspective, to me, it's honing in on an audience within a channel, right? Because SEO is just one potential channel and one way to get to that person. And, and that SEO strategy might encompass a lot more that the overarching content strategy doesn't like the technical side, the user experience, all of that. Um, so I do see a distinction there, but I, I think they feed each other. I think where, where you go wrong is when you say your SEO strategy is your content strategy, right? Because to me, it's not an SEO strategy um, is just specific to that channel. And I see people say, okay, well, here's a list of keywords. This is now our content strategy. And it's like, no, it's not (laughs) right. Content strategy is at like the brand level. It's about like your positioning. It's about, again, how that business makes money. Right. Um, and SEO strategy, I think, you know, it it should also directly reflect the, the, that, but it, there's just a, a difference there. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it's like, not like the Venn diagram, but when, you know, I guess it's like a, a rectangle is a, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square sort of thing where the type of content, you know, fits within the certain channel, but the certain channel doesn't apply to all the different content. Specifically, I'm curious because you, you know, your product is content in, in you know, to a certain degree. 
What's unique about that when it comes to how that influences your SEO strategy when you're when you're marketing content? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think you know content um, in general. I think you know, like I said back in 2010, the mm-hmm. way that companies approached content marketing. Um, just had a lot less nuance because all you really needed to do was check the box and do it and you could get things ranking. So right. I think, you know, as content becomes more commoditized um, and there's just so much of it, <laughs> um, the bar just continues to get higher. Right. And if you think about like, if I were going to like launch a new product to market, right. There's no way that, I'm going to be able to launch a product that does the same thing as another product has all the same messaging and, um, you know, delivers the same value props and have that be competitive because it's just the same. It looks and feels the same as everything else. And I think, you know, treating content like a product, like why would I go and bring content to market if it looks and feels and like reads the same as every other piece of content out there? Um, I think, you know, you need to tie it back to what is unique about our brand, what is unique about what we do and that, and you need to do something different, right? Um, it's, I think it's a little bit of a, when, you know, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. (laughs) Um, it's, it's not, you know, like more isn't always the answer. And I think it's finding those differentiating factors um, and either packaging them in a new way, you know, delivering them in a, a different type of user experience, um, being the first to get to a specific channel. Like there's lots of different ways that you can differentiate, but I think like with content as the product, like you need to have a higher bar for how you reach people. Yeah, and, the, and that very much goes back to what you were saying about tying everything back to revenue, obviously, when, yeah. you know, ultimately you're trying to, the whole purpose of all of this is to increase customers and growth and especially in the communities that you're building. What is your kind of perspective when it comes to gating content, especially when content is the product versus leveraging content to generate growth like what how do you approach that line from a business standpoint yeah it's a great question i think there's a lot of um i guess extreme points of view here right there's gate everything or gate nothing give it all away um i think it's important to remember that we do want our content to inspire some sort of next step right and but we should always operate in service of that customer. So to me, I think there's nothing better than transparency in the way that you do your marketing, right? So if someone comes in, I'm gating a checklist and you know they want it, I'm gonna say, hey, like I'm gonna, yeah, let me give me your email, I'm gonna give you this checklist, and I'm gonna actually give you a useful follow-up sequence that does not involve dumping you to talk to an SDR right away. Right. So like just being like treating customers the way you would want to be treated. um, I think it's, it's underrated, right? Like just follow the golden rule. There's no like set 
rule that, oh, only gate 20% of your content and that's the best. No, it depends on that user and like the journey that you're creating for them. Um, If it's time to gate something so that you can start to have more of that one-on-one email nurture relationship with them, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And, and I think, you know, in reality, that's how you tie content back to, to revenue. So we still have to gate, like I'm, I'm so pro, like give as much value as possible up front. Um, but at the end of the day, like the business does need to make money and content is a way to nurture and, and move them along that journey. So whatever you need to do in order to, to make that happen in service of that user and getting them to the solution that your product provides, I think that that's the right thing to do. I'm curious because you mentioned the three pillars um, in terms of the integrated marketing. Where where does email as a channel fit within that? Is it on the content? Is it on the conversion? Is it under yeah. both? Yeah, that's a great question. So it it overlaps both. Um, I'm I work very closely with our head of performance marketing, and cool. um, technically email sits under him. Um, however, we're using email in content and SEO and we're using it on the conversion side, right? And like, how are we, you know, nurturing people and we, all of our content, we're always considering like, where does this fit in existing email nurtures or what, how do we optimize email nurture in order right. to, to help people move to that next step? So email is a unique channel, I think, in that it's, it spans like almost the entire user journey. So yeah, it's it's so important. And finally, I guess bringing it back to SEO, what SEO advice do you have for kind of other medias or publishers where content is the product? Obviously, you can't give away your trade secrets, but just at a high level, what are some of the recommendations you have for someone who's really trying to build growth organically? Yeah, I would say like reject the idea that you have to do something just because it's worked in the past. Mm. Because, you know, what I'm seeing more and more is companies that are really standing out and specifically in SEO, like generating backlinks naturally, they're doing things a little bit different. They're not doing, you know, 20 long form blog posts a month. They're doing like a cool calculator. They're doing like a finder tool. They're giving simple answers to questions that, and it's not like a a long piece, right? So I think it's just to accept that like we're in a new era where you don't necessarily have to hit a word count. You don't have to hit a uh, number of URLs published. Um, What you do need to do is stand out. And again, I think from an SEO perspective, um, there's like the standard playbook that lots of people follow. And and that's great. And that can get you far. But like what will get you to an a higher level is is doing things a little bit differently and just growing that toolbox um, that you have. So I, I love that. It brings it full circle to the, you know, the brand differentiator is what is the future going forward. I'm gonna throw one more question at you because I'm I'm curious your opinion is do you think Google rewards differentiation at this point or are we still not there yet like personally how do you feel about not doing the 10 listicles and will you you know ultimately see reap the benefits of of being different yeah well i think it still works that's the thing it's it's i don't think it's a 
it's not a binary, like Fair. don't do, <laughs> don't do this. Cause it won't work. Um, I feel like that's, you know, that it's too nuanced for that. Right. Um, I think Google is trying to deliver more high quality search results. I think like, if you look at like the past few updates, I think the intention is there. I'm not sure if we're yet there in the actual delivery of that. I've seen mixed results. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't still do like the 10 things to know about whatever, because honestly that works on other channels. Like I think right. sometimes we get hung up on like, Oh, we're just creating this, this piece for SEO. But in reality, that could be a great thing to add to your email nurture, create it anyway. And maybe email traffic is the number one metric you want to look at for that piece. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I the answer is if you're asking me to predict what Google <laughs> is going to do next, I I cannot tell you. Um, however, I I do think that building a brand it's it helps you rise above Google. Like you're no longer confined to just depending on Google, um, because you know the average consumer is is smart. They know like what the real intention is. You're not you're not fooling anybody. You know, um, and so creating an experience that where you're really trying to help them find what they're looking for. I think that that is always going to trump everything. And and that's why I love the the whole philosophy that you guys have, which is like customer centric. That's where everything starts is with the customer. It's smart and, and Google will get there, even if they're not there right now, they're, they're trying to be customer centric as well. Michaela, it is so fun to talk to you. I, I really am glad that you're coming on and tell us all about your experience. Are, are you ready for some rapid fire rankings? I'm ready. Okay, let's cue the music. We're gonna do this up. Start off right off the bat, rank your top three of just something you love. What do you love the most? Number top three, go. All right, I would say I'm doing content and SEO a lot of my life, but when I'm not, the top three things that I love to do, um, I love every single Friday, I do a family movie night with my husband and my daughters, and it's like the highlight of my week. We've we've gone back, we've watched all the 90s family movies, fun. Um, and then I love to hike, big hiker, and of course I love playing music. So. I love it. Okay, that's and and I'm gonna get some movie recommendations for you for family time. Anyway, rank your best SEO marketing win. Um, my last company, we were at eight thousand organics a month. We went to two hundred thousand, and that was huge for me. That was the yeah, first time you. I executed a content strategy um, and led led the charge, and we saw some great results and good conversions, and it was big win. That's the key of the conversion. That's that's amazing. Okay, rank your top three SEO tools. Um, Ahrefs, Screaming Frog, and a new one I'm using called Phrase. Ooh, love Phrase. That's great for content yeah. creation. Okay, rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Uh, I think just internal linking. Um, to me, it's it's all about internal links. I think underrated because you know, we we're, we talk about backlinks all the time, but I think internal linking is still like one of the best ways to really like boost new pages that you want to rank. 
It works, it works. Rank what you love most about SEO. I love the fact that SEO, it's a little analytical, it's a little creative. I can, you know, if I'm feeling creative, I can be creative. If I'm feeling more analytical, I can be more analytical. It's it's something for every mood. I, I am 100% with you. It's why I love it as well. Rank your best learning SEO resource. LearningSEO.io by Aleda Solis. It's one of the best resources I've ever found. It's, it's so incredible. The past like two years of her just building piece by piece. It's so yeah. good. Yep. Rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most look up to. Well, Aleda, for sure. Um, I get her newsletter and read it every week. Um, another SEO that I've followed for a while, Kevin Indig, his blog, I've learned a lot um, from him. Um, and then I've absolutely loved following Amanda and Tividad, marketer on Twitter um, the past year or so. You know, she's blown up and become Twitter famous because she just provides so much great marketing and content marketing value. So smart tweet. I don't know how you do that well consistently. All, all three of those people are incredible. Yeah. Finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. Well, you had Shima Meje on the podcast before, and I just love what she's doing with Freelance Coalition. Um, I think, you know, it's such a great cause, just helping, you know, people from underserved countries to get into SEO. I think that's so needed. So I follow her on Twitter as well, and she's just a source of um, inspiration for me. So. That's a great one. And definitely they need sponsorship and money to continue to do all the great events that Chima has been putting together. She she is unbelievable. Michaela, you are great. If people want to get in touch with you and find you online, where's the best way? Yeah. Um, so I recently started to try to be more active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and then I'm on Twitter, you know, most of most of the time. So at M Mendes writes uh, on Twitter. Amazing. And we'll have the link in the show note descriptions. Thank you so much for being my guest. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thank you, Garrett. Absolutely. My name is Garrett Sussman of Ipo Rank. This has been Rankable. We will catch you next week. Signing off. 